0: Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie P. And man, I always get fired up for these because it's a learning game, Kev. Knowledge is power. And man, every single time we get to invite cool people on the podcast, learn a little bit, find out some intricate details about really critical components, and today is no
1: different. Yeah, today is about being a motorhead. And you hit a word, maybe out of context, but I'm going to snatch it up. You said power. It's all about mm-hmm. motorhead and making power, man, and keeping it together. Because, you know, if you're a car guy, you kind of know about, you know, critical clearances and tolerances and things. But if you're an Hell engine yeah. guy, I mean, you live and breathe it. That's a whole different ball game than, let's say, bolting on a set of brakes, you know, putting on some shocks, you know, man, you yep. just... Slapping things on, and yeah, they got to be close, but man, an engine has clearances in there, oh. you know, hair thickness less than that. You start pounding on a motor, right? You start hammering some power out, and you get an oil film down that's less than a micron thick, right? You think, oh, yeah, I got, you know, 2000 clearance in there. Well, that's, you know, if everything's nice and centered, but you get it spinning, man, you get some loads and some direction on and all of a sudden that crank isn't in the center of that bore anymore. It's just working its way down to that, you know, lower shell, you know, and it's just getting thinner and squeezed. And I mean, man, it takes a microsecond, any kind of lost oil or just a little too much load or too high a temperature and your viscosity pinches down Boy, metal to metal contact, and you got a welder on your hands, man. You are yeah, joining man. metal together, not the ones that you want, you know.
0: You know, I never forget. This happened to me just a couple years ago. In my, I got a sixty nine dollars charger, puts about nine hundred down at the rear tires. It's my street car. Um, it handles the lightweight stuff, and I was leaving this auto parts store. And my boys were like, "Get on it, man! Show them what's up!" And this big long uphill rake, right? Smashed on the throttle, all the oil comes down the oil pan, and it, you know, it makes the sump dry. I get a bearing, dude, and it goes too thin. Spins it, blocks the oil passage. Sure enough, man, everything starts rattling like a, you know, cage. You know, not not three quarters down the road. I'm like, oh no, oil pressure. So now I have that that bearing hanging from the rear view mirror of my '69 Charger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, right on, man. Yeah, my my very first small block engine build when I was a kid, probably 16, 17, right? Uh, I didn't have a dad in the car, so it was all about the books. You know, I had the smoky unit books, whatever. I'm right. I'm learning. I'm putting my first engine together, and I got plastic gauge, you know, and I'm checking my clearances. Everything looks good. Fired up, running thing. Oh, I'm so stoked. The thing rumbled. I was ripping around town. You know, about 300 miles later, my oil pressure is just slowly going to zero, and I'm like, oh, no. I pulled the pan off, man. I had bearing material everywhere, just a layer of it down there. I mean, it turns out I had a poorly machined crank from the machine shop, so it was out of round. You know, that's so totally
0: could, it. That's totally it. Yeah, totally it, man. Had to be. <laughs> yeah, you uh, know, I've been, I've seen that scenario where you pull a, a race engine apart, and you know, I got some fast race cars, and been racing most of my life, and unfortunately, I've had some. Some of those times, man, you got too much boost, too much nitrous, things get too hot, and that bearing will literally weld itself to the crank. And it's not something you like to see
1: like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're you're lucky if you get to catch it and shut it down. You're unlucky if you make a yard sale, because that's an expensive yard sale. Yes, it is, man. A lot more parts involved.
0: Yeah, so today we have Ron. He's the performance and technical manager at King Bearings, and we worked with these guys a number of times. Like, they're a fantastic bearing company. Like, they'll get you power where you didn't think power was was able to come from. And that's the crazy thing. You look at tolerances back in the day, Kev, and remember, back in the day, it was like, we're running 2050 oil, some heavyweight stuff, tolerances, you know, you could drive a Mack truck through. You know, it's like... We didn't really care. Now, man, everything has gone the opposite direction. Tolerances are super tight. Clearances are smaller than ever before. Oil has got to get all over the engine now um, and within seconds, you know, not like it used to be. And, and that means tolerances and bearing and bearing material and whether or not it's, you know, it's got the right friction material, coatings, or whatever becomes so critical in, a, in an engine build. It's unreal the power you can find and the efficiency you get from it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and more important, I think, even on top of making great power, right? Less friction, et cetera, is that insurance policy, longevity, durability. Absolutely. Because, man, who wants to put five, 10, 15, 30 grand into a motor build? And next thing you know, it's scattered on the street or the track, right? So yeah. there is so much in bearing and bearing technology has changed so much. So we have the man, right? We've got Ron from King Bearings. So he's going to help us, you know, share. Uh, We're going to learn from them, but you guys too, especially, man. What goes into bearings? What are the critical materials and choices and designs? Because they look so simple, man. It's just a little half a shell and you stick two of them in there. But, man, you've got competing factors because, you know, a bearing has to take huge loads. So it's got to be super strong, but it also has to have things like embeddability. So when you get a little piece of trash that goes through these tight clearances, it just doesn't score and go round and round and round and make a snowball and blow the motor up. It's got got to be able to kind of just bury itself in there and disappear it's got to have seizure resistance and you know all these things are kind of competing so how do you put together this simple little device that's really accomplishing so many different things and then how do we as users pick the right one for our application right
0: yeah man no doubt it used to be like all bearings are created equal not the case anymore (laughs) at all man not the case at all So I'll tell you what, man, let's take a break, and we'll come back. We'll have Ron from King Bearings on with us, and we're going to break down bearings, y'all. This is an opportunity to learn a lot, so stay with us. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast back after the break. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B., and we have Ron the Man Sledge from King Bearings on with us. And Hey, Ron, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate your time, man. And i got to tell you, we're excited, bro, because you're going to give us details about things that, you know, it's almost like a voodoo. It's almost like a, you know, a little Santa got working in there, man. There's a little magic in the bearings, whether it it's is. clearances, tolerances, material, or whatnot.
1: It's one of those things that I think all of us take for granted. Like, you just put the thing in there, and it, it generally works, and you go, okay, it's, it's simple. But there's really a lot of magic, a lot of science, a lot of technology in there to really make it work. At the end of the day, it looks like nothing, but uh, Ron, you know better, man. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in there.
2: Well, the bearing is, uh, like you said, the most uh, overlooked part of the engine, really. Uh, but it's a very precision part. It looks real simple uh, when you look at one and you know it's just a half a half around uh, two-piece bearing that goes in the bore and you uh, expect it to work. But there's a really a lot of science that goes behind the manufacturing of that, designing and manufacturing of that of that component. Uh, the bearing has got to be uh, hard and soft at the same time. You say, well, how does that happen? You know, hard and soft. So we've got to have a strong steel back that goes in the housing. And then that is the support structure of the bearing. It gives it the rigidity, the, uh, the durability it needs. But we have to add other layers to it that are bringing us closer to the journal, the crankshaft surface. So as we get closer with different layers, we get softer and softer and softer. But then we get to the top layer of the last one, the overlay or the coating, whichever the case may be, we have to have softness, we have to have embeddability, we have to have durability, fatigue, resistance, uh, and also conformability too as well, because that crankshaft is going to bend and twist and distort and whatever, the bearing then has to be able to compensate for all those uh, distortions, uh, that extra touch. That's really where the, the coated bearing comes into play that we have now. The coating actually is, is a uh, friction reducer in case there is a metal-to-metal contact there. And it actually helps against starvation, which when you do touch, you are pushing the oil out and you are starving the bearing at that point. So the coating helps the bearing survive longer during those, uh, those difficult times, not to mention just plain old running out of oil. You, your oil pump breaks uh, or your oil pump belt breaks, whatever, you lose oil pressure. The bearing that are coated is going to survive much longer than one that's not coated. So really there's a lot of science behind all of it. And as we said, uh, you know, you just can't overlook this uh, this simple looking park.
0: So I, I kind of got a question and you mentioned it right out the gate, which I'm 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 happy about, you know, these bearings that you talk about, in these layers, there's got to be almost a dampening aspect to to these outer layers. What is the trick about coatings and how do you choose, you know, for certain applications and certain builds, are you going to use a different bearing or you pretty much have one or two materials that you always go with for every engine, be it performance, efficiency, gas, diesel. What's kind of the, the breakout on them and what do you get benefit wise from all these coated bearings?
2: Well, we have different materials, uh, not to mention the, uh, uh, the coated version, but we have like an aluminum bearing. We have a copper bearing. We also have a silver overlay bearing, which is really the strongest bearing in our line. And these different materials do different jobs.
1: You said in the beginning, right? It, you have a steel backing cause you got to hold that sucker in there, right? So you got to have some hoop strength and you got to have some crush, right? And, and a lot of people think you have to have that tang, that little tang or uh, lug. People call it lugs. Uh, and, Yeah, that can help keep your bearing from rotating around, but uh, pipe in around, I mean, there's a whole lot of engines now, especially in the OEs, that they don't have any kind of tang on them. So it's really about being a little bit oversized on the shells so that when you go to clamp your rod together or your main cap on, uh, right, you are crushing that bearing and it is pushing itself towards, you know, the diameter of that bore and you get crushed, and that's what holds that bearing in place so it doesn't spin, right? So you you got this big steel backing, but what a terrible bearing material, right? So now you got to have these layers you got to add on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you got to build a crush into the part because once you load it down with the the fasteners, the two parts then crush against each other, which pushes each half against the bore and keeps it tight, and it doesn't uh, move. If the bearing moves, it's going to overheat. And cause a problem later on because it's gonna it's gonna melt the material because it's gonna get too hot. So crush is a big factor. It's not just a steel steel piece of steel in there. It's got to be made to the correct height that's going to give the proper crush and the retention in the bore. And then the other materials are just uh, acting accordingly to accommodate all the things I just mentioned. Uh, and then the locating lug really doesn't do anything but locate the bearing. Uh, it doesn't really, it's not really necessary for the, uh, locking or the crush of the bearing. So, uh, a lot of, as you mentioned, there's a lot of new bearings coming out now from the OEs. Uh, they're, they're what we call lugless. There's no lug at all in there, but, um, the lug really just for locating.
1: Well, then you got all these materials, right? And that's where we talk about trade-offs between, right? Cause Willie asked, right? To use the same materials. And, and this is where maybe you can get some science in here. Cause, Right, the OEs are really going to more of an aluminum-based. Right, in the old days we had multi layers with kind of a copper, lead, tin, right, and then uh, babbitt material maybe on the top surface. Really good for embeddability, etc. But maybe a, a trade-off in long-term wear, right, and maybe some materials that we don't want in the environment per se. You know, the lead and whatnot. So we're kind of always trading off between, let's say, an OE bearing that's trying to get uh, you know, lower performance, but longevity. So you're not having to replace a bearing, you know, for 150, 250,000 miles, but in a race scenario, right. Walk us through the difference between what you might have in a street car and might, what you might have in a performance or a race car. Uh, cause right. You're trading off this seizure resistance, load capability, long-term durability, you know, and like you said, a conformability. So when your crankshaft is getting all bent and twisted up from all this power, Right, and you start to get metal-to-metal contact. You don't want seizures and welding. So how do you, how do you walk that line on, on choosing materials? Well, the,
2: the OEs now have uh, been using aluminum bearings for some time now. Uh, King is the only company that really has a performance aluminum bearing out there. The other companies have copper leads and, and so forth. But uh, we actually have a performance aluminum bearing that we recommend for drag racing because it's got good, it really has good embeddability and conformability. Uh, the other, uh, and it, the, the loading factor on aluminum bearing is a little bit less than a copper trimetal bearing, but for drag racing, what you need is you need that conformability and then the uh, embeddability as, uh, as well. When it comes to circle track racing, we go with the trimetals because they're stronger, they take load longer, and uh, they have a higher PSI lo- uh, rating. And then that's where we come now with uh, putting the coating on top of the trimetal copper bearing.
0: Now, does that coating add thickness to the bearing, overall thickness, w- when you do that? Uh, it does not.
2: Uh, when when King first came out with a coated bearing, we decided that we do not want to add any thickness because that always hurts you whenever you're trying to figure your oil cleaners. If you want to run a coated bearing, the only thing you could do in the past would just get a bearing that had a coating on top of the original Bearing that was made, put on you know after the fact. Well, that added thickness to the bearing, which reduced the thickness of the bearing's clearance. So at King, we came out with a no added thickness coating.
1: Oh yeah, that makes it super easy. So, but those coatings are what, like ten to thirty microns, or what, what's typically a-
2: in, in thousandth or two tenths? Two tenths thick is your okay. average thickness. Yeah. So when you when you add two tenths to each shell, that's a total of four, sometimes five total. So you're you're uh, reducing your oil clearance by half a thou. So you really have to start out with a standard X bearing, as we call it. In fact, King is the only company that has a, a true standard X coated bearing where you really get an extra thou clearance by uh, ordering a standard X, which is uh, uh, each shell is a half a thou thinner.
0: So question for you, you mentioned circle track, and they need a longer lasting bearing. Uh, in drag racing, some of these cars – you know, you see cars nowadays, thousand horsepower in anything. What kind of, what kind of kind of give are you are you putting in cars where a thousand horsepower, be it Hellcats, Red Eyes, things like that, new Mustangs, uh, new Vets and Camaros, all these things, are, you're sneezing on them, making a thousand. What's the give there? Is it a, a a tri-metal bearing with a coating? Is it more of a race bearing, but it don't have the longevity? How do you guys find the happy medium in such a crazy world like that? Well,
2: really, uh, it has to do with duration of the load. Uh, each bearing material has got a different PSI loading, the loading uh, rating that it has. But in, in drag racing, as you know, you're on the throttle for maybe seven, eight seconds in a real high high horsepower engine. That's right. Uh,
0: seven or eight seconds, bird. <laughs> or, or six. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. You can go on down and get, you know.
2: and and get less, so we we really recommend the HP bearing, which is the aluminum racing bearing for that, because it has all the other good qualities, uh, embeddability, conformability, and all that, that uh, helps the bearing survive longer. But when you go to circle track racing, the duration is longer, so a lot more time for loading to occur to the part, so you really need to have a stronger bearing for that, and that's where the tri-metal bearing comes into play. Uh, with an over with a certain overlay that we mentioned before either copper lead or a now a new silver.
0: So so what about these cars that, that are running around town that are putting down a thousand horsepower? They want that longevity but they want the raceability as well. Is there a in-between that you guys are, are looking at or is it you always recommend the aluminum?
2: Well we we call those cars street strips. Right? Street trip cars where you uh you hop up an engine and you drive it on the street, okay? And then you take it to the drag races every now and then. You're not racing it professionally full time. Uh, you are just, you know, kind of doing either one. We we really recommend the HP or the aluminum series bearing for that, um, or you could go with the aluminum, uh, with the copper lead with a coating uh, or without the coating as well. But we re- really recommend the HP series for that street trip car. Because a lot of these cars just have uh you know the the standard cast crankshaft that came oe and that's very good for that type of material
0: okay all good information And unfortunately we got to take a break right now but we got questions on the other side how do you know if you have a coated bearing you know how much oil clearance should my engine bearings have lots of questions from the man with the knowledge so quick break and we're back with ron from king bearings on the two guys garage podcast It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we have Ron Sledge from King Bearings, And I, I say his name like that because I feel like you have to. You know? He's the man at King
1: Bearings. I got a question. Do they call you Sledge Hammer? They, is there some cool name that goes along with Sledge that you picked up over the years? Hammer. Hammer?
0: <laughs> Hammer. <Yeah. laughs>
1: right on. Much like he drives. Much like he drives. Hammer down. So, all
0: right. R- Ron, some questions, man. Um, one... Can can a lot of people? We're talking, you know, about different sort of materials in the bearing itself. Can can people mix different uh, engine bearings to get you know the desired oil clearance that they they need or they're looking for? Well, you
2: wouldn't want to mix. Uh, generally, all of our sets of bearings come, you know, they're the same material. You can mix sizes if you need to do that to get your clearance. You can mix a standard and a one, or you can uh-huh. mix a, you can mix a standard and a standard X to get the desired clearance because it gives you that flexibility to, to actually what I call split hairs that you can fine tune the clearance. So if you want exactly, you can get it real close by, by doing that and you can use different halves. And when you do use different half thicknesses, you want to always put the thicker bearing on the loaded side. So in a connecting oh, rod, okay. rod, you put the thicker bearing in the rod, the thinner bearing in the cap and just the reverse on a main bearing. So you get that thicker, that extra uh, thick load, uh, thicker bearing uh, on the loaded side of that, whichever component it is.
0: Well, that's a good tip. Right on. Yeah, man, that is a good tip. And, you know, what, can you explain, um, you know, I hear a lot of guys talking about, um, you know, undersize if it's an undersized bearing or oversized bearing or, you know, clearances like that. What, what does that technically mean?
2: The undersized, in the bearing world, undersized means relative to the crankshaft. So if I've taken a standard crank and uh, say I run it and then I have to take it apart and and, and repair it, uh, maybe i take it to a 10. So what I'm doing is I'm grinding the crankshaft 10,000th undersized. Right. So, so the bearing then in a 10, we call it a 10 undersized bearing. It compensates for all that 10,000th of material that you remove from the crankshaft. So, but in the term oversized, it refers to the outside. So undersize is for the ID, the oversize is for the OD. So uh, if you're going to, uh, say, bore the housing out, in some cases now we have uh, bearings for cracked rods that are coming out. We have an oversized bearing to fit that because you, the only way you can resize the bore or recondition it is it just by honing it out or boring it out. Used to, you could cut the cap and then you could uh, you know, re-bore it. But now they're coming out with... Uh, with cracked rods, you can't do that anymore. So that's where the term oversize comes into play.
0: Ooh, ooh, Kevin, Kevin, time for you to put on your lab coat, dude. Get all nerdy. Explain cracked rods, cause this this is one of the coolest things ever. How they how they do this in the rods. So go ahead, man. Get get big brain on them.
1: Oh, the cracked rod is is pretty cool, right? Cause typically if you're gonna- That's awesome. Right, you're gonna have a cap, you know, connected to a rod, you gotta locate it exactly, right? So when you run your fingernail on the inside of that board, you don't feel the edge, you know, like there's nothing overhanging. It's perfectly matched together. So you need some kind of dowel, whether it's a hollow dowel or maybe a, you know, a solid dowel offset from the bolt hole to locate that cap. So when you crack it, you don't need a dowel anymore. What you do is you, you got the right material choice and the right hardness then you can go in and literally score, you know, the split line, you know, whether it's laser etched or mechanically cut.
0: Almost like you do a piece of tile for people listening yeah. to do tile work. Like you like score glass, glass or just tile. Just the same way. This is really cool. Yeah.
1: And then just like you would snap a tile, right, to get it to break on that line, uh, you got a big, you know, hydraulic unit that goes in there and literally expands and breaks the rod in two pieces right along that score. And you can imagine, I mean, you have just... Fractured. It happens real fast. Just, you've got two surfaces that are all jagged and you know it's like broken rock,
0: yeah. right? So well, they have a topography. There's ups and downs and highs and lows, and and when you put those together, they become a perfect mate for
1: each yeah, other. Yeah, and you can't even see. Like a lot of times, you can look at a rod that's assembled, and you, hey, that rod hasn't been cracked yet, has it? And it's like, oh, yes, it has. Let me tap yeah, on it a little yeah. bit, and I <laughs> open that sucker up, and. By golly, man! It's it's awesome because yeah, yeah you can skip a whole process in uh, you know manufacturing side, and then you have probably a better joint face, right? Because you have all yeah. these nooks and crannies that are now perfectly nested instead of two flat surfaces, right? That could technically slide back and forth, you know, with a little bit of side load on that cap. Pretty cool. And I didn't realize yeah. that uh, people were reconditioning them now because uh, used to always think that you just kind of toss them. Because you can't recondition them, right? But if you've got oversized bearings that can fit in there, then you can just overbore it slightly. That's pretty awesome. Because otherwise, you can't cut the face. Normally, you cut the face on a rod, and you you know the cap and the rod get closer together. Then you bore it back out to the original size, right? Yeah. Now speaking of clearances, Ron, uh, right? So the technology of bearings has changed, and the OES have really squeezed down the factory clearances, right? You know fractions of what we typically run on a performance engine and you know, a lot of these like zero one Camaro Corvettes, et cetera, are making pretty impressive power numbers with tight clearances. Mm -hmm. Now with the bearing materials and the coatings and everything, do you still recommend barn door clearances for most applications or somewhere in the middle? What's kind of the latest trend there with bearings, right?
2: the, The trend on clearances is to go smaller. We used to go bigger because we needed more room. Uh, back in the day, the components were not as good as they are today. The crankshaft materials, the connecting rod materials were not as strong, so you would get distortions and, and deflection and all that. So now we've got stronger, more rigid components to work with, so now we can go with a tighter clearance. Really, technically being tighter is better because you have more load distribution with a tighter clearance because you have you have uh, less space there to to uh, even out the load, so be- actually a bearing is stronger with less clearance. But you have to watch out for those components that are not going to be as rigid as you as you want them to be, and you know you've got to go with good strong components to make that work. So uh, the tighter clearance also uh, is also a quieter engine as well, because as you would imagine, if you have real sloppy clearance, you'd have a lot of noise know what's going on but tighter clearances the engine runs much smoother uh and you can also run the thinner oil which really you have to run the thinner oil to get the little
0: that's what i was going to ask you with these tighter clearances does the oil viscosity play a big part in what you put in your engine explain that to people because a lot of people may not know this
2: you know and, and you know coming from the oe world the uh the oes run tighter clearances and they run the thinner oils too uh, they want the thinner oil, though, too, because they want to, you know, uh, improve the gas mileage of that of that engine. So the, the thinner oil, you have got to have the thinner, the tighter clearances. If you have the thin oil and big clearances, it's just not going to work. So you you've got to make one go with the other. Uh, tighter clearances means uh, uh, thinner oil, and big clearances mean heavier oil. And as you go. Know, Give your all of Rob's
1: horsepower. Yeah, if you can do it right, right? If you can get the tighter clearances, it's kind of a win-win, right? Because like you said, it's quieter. It's got better wear, you know, kind of characteristics to it. You can run the thinner oil. All of a sudden, right, you got less friction. So you got better fuel. But more importantly, you're making more horsepower, right? So it all comes together. But you got to have a nice, rigid, stiff crank and a pretty solid block. Yeah. Or uh, you got a lot of bending and edge loading. But that's where you know some of the coatings, right? Like you've got your your polymer coatings. Your what Pmax Black, I think, is kind of one of your top dogs there. You know, can kind of help with some of those minor edge loadings. Is that is that true? Yeah, I want to I want to clarify there
2: on the Pmax Black. A lot of people think that that is the coated bearing from King. It really is not. Uh, it's it's been uh, uh, looked at as being one because of its color. Uh, We came out with a true coated bearing. It's also black. Now, one of the ways that you tell the difference between the two is we stamp the part with a C on the coated part. So at the end of the part number, you'll see a C that means it's coated. But if you put the two side by side without looking at the number or anything and try to identify them that way, it's very difficult for the uh, average guy out there. But the PMAX black is really a surface treatment that we do to the uncoated part that adds, uh, uh, gives it the, the bearing more fatigue resistance uh, in those heavier loaded conditions. So uh, remember the C is for the, uh, for the coated part, and we call that the Pmax coat,
0: K-O-T-E. Mm. Gotcha. Ah, see what he did there? K-O-T-E coat. There you go. Uh, <laughs> hey, so Ron, how about prepping the bearing before you install it? W- what should people know about prepping the bearing before they, they actually install it?
1: You gotta lick it before you stick it in. <laughs> that's a golden rule. It pretty
0: much applies all across the board.
2: The, the, only, the only prepping that needs to be done to our part is just washing it. Uh, when you take it out of the out of the package, you take it out of the plastic, whatever it's been packed and, and run through a oil base that's on there for protection during during transportation. Remember, our parts come from Israel, and we ship them over both air and sea. But they're they're shrinked in plastic. But the only thing you have to do is that take them to the uh, parts washer, wash them off real good, air air dry them or, or towel dry them. Make sure that they're free of any debris, and that's all you got to do. You don't have to do any uh, surface prep or any Scotch briting. We rec- we don't recommend that at all because that really is damaging to the overlay, and it, all it all it does is just. It destroys what we do to the part to make it such a quality part.
1: I got one more question for you, Ron. So uh, eccentricity, right? So a lot of people don't maybe realize that when you look at the bearing as it's installed. Wait, wait,
0: hold on, Bird. Can you spell that and use it in the form of a sentence? No. <laughs> <laughs> now you're really taxing me, man. So, All right.
1: so if you measure the inside of that bearing shell after it's been crushed, it's not round it actually looks a little more like a lemon shape, right? With the wider part being at the split line. Now, my understanding of eccentricities, probably a couple of twofold. So one is, you know, as you're, let's say pulling on a rod, you know, it's going through a, its inertia. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of stretching and ovalizing a little bit. So a little extra clearance on the sides is good as it pinches in. Same thing on the mains when you load it down. So a little clearance is good so you don't pinch in, you know, and seize the metal. but but also from what I understand helps build the oil film. So you got a little pocket of thicker oil and it wedges kind of in the, uh, you know, the upper and lower part of the bearing and that's creating the highest, uh, let's say, load resistance, right? Or the, you know, reverse force. So as the crank is trying to push towards the bearing and the oil gets thin and the pressure goes up to push it back out. Now, do you guys do... Uh, different eccentricities for different applications, whether it's street at low RPM or high RPM, or is that kind of a a zone that you guys can kind of just, you know, get it right and it covers all bases?
2: We actually study what eccentricity that we need to put on a part based on a computer program that we, when we uh, do an engine study of a a particular engine, we'll figure out all the stresses and all the uh, loads that it's gonna go through and that helps us figure out what figure out what eccentricity needs to be uh, on the part. The eccentricity is the part of the bearing, it's the uh, taper, if you will, going from part line to the crown. And then this, uh, this uh, taper helps form what's called the oil film wedge. And that wedge comes in at uh, your 90 degree or your split line comes in, and then as it keeps uh, the oil keeps coming in, this wedge just keeps building and building and lifts the crankshaft off the bearing, keeps it separated. So really, if, if the eccentricity wasn't there, you wouldn't have the lift, and you would have probably metal-to-metal metal contact involved. And so we do we do uh, different eccentricities for different loads uh, for different uh, engines.
0: Well, I just, I just want you all both to know I try to get eccentricity to go to prom with me, and she turned me down with the quarterback. <laughs> it was a tough time in my life, so the last few minutes here hurt. Um, but yeah All right. That's all good information. And, and look, wrapping up, I'm sure people have questions when it comes to bearings and, you know, maybe what they need to run coated, uncoated tri metal aluminum. If they've got questions, I'm sure you got answers. So how do we put supply and demand together here, boss?
2: Well, the best way to get your answers is to visit the King website, uh, kingbearings.com. Uh, we have uh, plenty of, uh, reading material there that you can just spend uh, quite a few hours reading and learning and all the materials and, and, uh, and all the features that built into, uh, I've only touched the surface on some of the features that we have, but you can go there and then you can also call King Bearings Tech Line, just call the, uh, I don't have the number handy right now, but you can look it up, but King Bearings and, and ask for the tech department, we got myself and we got a, a couple other people that can answer all your questions, give you part numbers, give you all the data that you need, the clearances, the wall thickness, all that kind of stuff that you need to put the engine together correctly.
0: There you go, man kingbearings.com hey thanks so much for your time man we definitely appreciate it definitely learned something Uh, and don't forget about our show you guys two guys garage airing weekends on the Motor Trend Network check your local listings and throw a fit if they don't have it episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand which is a great resource and awesome way to find us Uh, thanks to our boy Ron Slade from King Bearings it was great having him on my man Kevin our producer and our executive producer Bob Ecker
1: yeah and don't forget Check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, for tons of great content and share your thoughts with us on social. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright, 2020, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved.
0: Dude, I'd say that to him every day when I saw him. Be like, Slay! No, no doubt, man. I, <laughs> I'd go back
1: and forth. One day be Slay, other would be like, Hammer Time!
0: <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> All right, man. We'll see you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast.
1: Take care. See you guys. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.